Hello everyone and welcome to the third episode of the Popping for Parkinson's podcast. It's time to get it popping for Parkinson's baby. Let's go. First of all, thank you so much for joining in. This is the third episode and if you haven't checked out first and second episode please go and check them out also before we start i just want to say massive shout out and thank you to all the people that got in touch with me regarding questions and topics and suggestions and stuff thank you for that i appreciate it so let's begin this episode and the topic of this episode is why are you not dancing (laughs) let's put it that way this is the topic of today So why am I saying this? Because one of the questions that I regularly get is why do you even offer dance classes for people with Parkinson's? Out of all the things that someone with Parkinson's might need or desire, why dance? Some people even say these people need to rest and they don't have time and energy for dancing. They have more serious issues to think about and deal with which actually is a way more common thought than I expected, really. And for me, this is an obvious answer, because to me, everyone should learn how to dance. Everyone can dance and everyone should dance. This is a no-brainer for me. But then again, I have a dance background and all the people around me are somehow in the dance world and field and industry, so they know what I'm talking about, and this is what I hear on a daily basis, basically. Because for us dancers, it is obvious the power of dance and the effects that dance has on people, and we know how great it feels to just dance and have a boogie. It's as simple as that, but it just really wakes you up and gives you energy, and it's just fantastic. But then this is not just that. This is not just about having a boogie and whatever, it doesn't matter, life is short and that sort of thing. Because trust me, this is not about that. So let me break it down a little bit more and let me say why everyone should learn how to dance. I believe that the skills that you acquire by learning how to dance are absolutely valid and transferable to any sort of thing that you do in your life. Because think about it, dancers have so many skills that they have to have in the first place or they learn with the training. And these skills they have to have in a way in order for them to have a good practice and get to a level of mastering of their technique and expression, as well as maintaining a healthy lifestyle and a healthy career as much as possible, of course. Considering that dance doesn't give you any money (laughs) most of the times. So we don't do it for the money. So why do dancers choose to be dancers in the first place? And what are the skills that a dancer needs in the first place or a skill that you get when training dance? And when I was thinking about this episode and and this topic, so many skills and so many ideas came to me. As dancers, we forget how skilled we, we are in a way. Because again, society most of the times doesn't really care about us and thinks, oh yeah, you're dancing because you're not clever enough to do some maths and whatever, you know, when in fact, actually, it's exactly the opposite. But I'm going to break it down for you and you'll see why. So yeah, you're welcome. Thank me later. (laughs) Anyway, so let me start with patience. 
dancers have an incredible amount of patience. They have to, because it takes time to get better. And this is in life in general. It takes time to do things. Even if you're talented, you still need time to practice and perfect your mastery and your technique. And some theories even say that it takes 10,000 hours to become a master in anything. Well, that takes a lot of patience. And together with patience, the next one would be resilience, because we are incredibly resilient. We just keep going no matter what. We keep training. We are dedicated, which again is a skill that a lot of people don't necessarily have. It's actually quite hard to train these skills as a thing by themselves. And I believe dance is a great way to learn how to do that, how to be patient, how to be resilient, etc. Another thing is dancers always have the desire to improve and get better. And I'm sure that if you ask any dancer that you know, they will definitely know for sure what they need to work on because all they hear in their training most of the times is what are the things that they need to work on rather than the things that they already have or they're good at now just pause for a moment and think about this right how many people do you know that have this constant desire to improve themselves it is a great thing to have to make yourself better and to make the world and the community around you better And actually, not a lot of people have this trait. And dancers definitely do have it. Another one that I love is learning how to fall. We fall all the time. No matter the technique, no matter the dance style. It happens. You're learning, you're practicing, you're pushing yourself to the limits. So, of course, you're going to fall. A lot of our training is about learning how to fall so that In a way, you protect yourself from injury, and in another way, you style it out, so that basically the fall becomes something that you can turn into a dance step or a starting point for a new move, for example. And in life, everyone falls. Many different times, actually, for many different reasons. So learning how to fall and how to deal with falling is an incredible, valuable skill. Another one that I think is huge is listening to your body and tuning in with yourself. In this world and age of, you know, yoga and health, healthy lifestyle and tuning in and taking care of yourself and things like that, which in a way I appreciate and understand and respect, a lot of times it feels to me like this is very superficial in a way. And a lot of times it feels like it's more of an image that people are trying to give out rather than actually listening in and tuning in with yourself. And in dance, you need to be able to listen to yourself. And it's something that you train every day because you need to be able to recognize where you are every day, how your body is feeling, what do you actually need, how much can you push yourself today. Listening, in general, is a great skill that we acquire with the training. And listening becomes something about the body, but it could also become about the mind and the thoughts. And at the same time, you can then turn it into listening to other people, which is the next point. When it comes to dancing, partnering is an essential part of the training. Again, no matter the style or the technique. And when it comes to partnering... This is such a huge skill 
to have that really, for example, helped me in my general life, non-dancing life. Because, for example, I was able to listen to myself and my partner, whether that's my dance partner in a duet, as well as my love partner, as well as my friends. And when it comes to partnering, you always need to make sure that no one gets hurt. You learn how to fall in the first place, so you know how to deal with falling and failure by yourself and you can protect yourself. And at the same time, you learn to protect your partner. So say you're doing a lift, right? And something goes wrong and you both fall. What we train is to protect your partner's head with our hands or body. Bearing in mind that we already know how to fall, so we know how to protect ourselves, we just need to always make sure that even our partner is safe and secure and doesn't get hurt. Now think about this for a moment in your daily life, how valuable this skill could be. And this could be on a very personal level, on a relationships level, on friendship level, but also on a macro scale of like politicians and migrations and different culture and all of them could really do with learning how to listen and protect your partner. And don't get me wrong, partnering is a very hard thing that we learn in dance. And I also want to make clear that when it comes to partnering in dance, both people have to give weight in order to have a good duet, which basically means both parties give energy and weight and attention to the duet. So the input has to be the same. And usually we are pretty honest when it comes to this. So if someone is not giving us enough weight or attention or tension, then we be vocal about it to make sure that the duet works in the best way. I also want to bring out another point, which is feeding your body with healthy stuff. And that doesn't just mean food. It means literally everything. It could be thoughts, it could be music, it could be influences, it could be people. In order to have a healthy lifestyle and career, we need to make sure that our intake is the healthiest. And we're not perfect, of course, but we always try, again, to improve ourselves and our diet. And when I talk about diet, I again, I don't talk about food only. And in hip-hop specifically, we can really learn from the OGs that didn't necessarily have this healthy lifestyle intake in that sense. I also have to say, to be honest, that most of the OGs have suffered this when it comes to their diet in that sense for political and cultural reasons. But I'm not going to get into that topic right now. Sticking with the hip-hop techniques and styles for a moment, what we learn is that we need to look fresh and we need to look fresh while doing crazy stuff. So it is a real skill that we learn to make incredibly hard things look effortless, just like ballerinas, really. Ballerinas, for example, are incredibly strong. Their internal muscles are ridiculously trained and yet they make everything look effortless and beautiful. Now, of course, if this is done in a weird way and in a wrong way, it could actually not be beneficial because if you twist it, you might take it as, oh, all right, so I'm just going to give an illusion of me and give a different image of me, even though I'm struggling and I'm hiding the struggle. So this could be an interpretation of it, if you wish. But again, this would be a twisted version of the original idea. And also this looking fresh while doing crazy stuff thing 
is probably the reason why a lot of people think that what we do is easy because we actually try our best and sweat hard so that our crazy things look effortless for them so that the audience can just enjoy the beauty of the movement and of the phrase and of the choreography or the routine or the improv or whatever without actually stressing that what we do is actually incredibly difficult and following from that dancers can be considered as athletes with creativity because dance looks at training the body and the mind and the soul and the spirit as well as the creativity And when it comes to training, for example, there are different ways of training, of course, with different styles and techniques. But there are also ways in which we can train our dance skills that are not style specific. So, for example, set movement and learning a routine and a choreography works a certain part of the brain, which is the part of the brain that helps us with binary questions. So, for example, if you train and learn a routine, your brain will be fired up in the areas that are used to answer binary questions. On the other hand, when we train our improv side, so the freestyle, the brain responds differently. And the areas in the brain that get fired are the ones that allow us to answer open field questions. And dance training really improves our intelligence. And when I say intelligence, I don't mean, again, math and physics and stuff, even though it does in a way, because not only you need to understand the physics of lifts, so for example, but you need to embody physics, but also there's so many different intelligences that we have and that we can train. Another skill that I wish so many people had is the spatial awareness, especially in public transports, in places like London, it gets crazy. People have no idea where they are, where they're facing. They just bump into each other. And as a dancer, I really struggle with that. Because as dancers, we are always aware of our surroundings. We also usually train in small spaces, so we need to make sure that we don't break stuff around us, as well as not breaking ourselves. But if that does happen, and we break ourselves somehow, and we have an injury, we learn how to deal with the injury. So injuries do not stop us in a way. And most of the times we use them as starting point for new creative approaches to dance and movement. So say, for example, if you break your arm, what do you do? Do you just stop? Well, dancers usually do not stop. They just have a broken arm, but they can use the rest of their bodies just as much. And what they do is they find new creative approaches to using the body without the arm or maybe moving the broken arm with in a cast, in a very specific way that could then lead to a new routine, a new improv, a new concept, etc. And again, this is a skill that in life is so useful because there's so many injuries in life and not just body related that happen way more often than we want and we wish, really. And so many people get stopped by this. And again, it's about turning the injury into a starting point for new creative approaches. I told you it's going to be a long one because there's many, many skills that we dancers have and learn. And another one is definitely how to relate to people. Because when it comes to dance, it's not a hierarchy. It's not about who has the money or not, or if you are of a certain color or if you have a certain background. Dance embraces you as a student and that's all that matters. And everyone is trying to improve on themselves. So there's really no time for bitching because we're all busy trying to get better. So there's no time for bitching. And in this crazy world, trust me, this would be a skill that I would love to see in many more people.
But bringing it to a close, the number one skill that I think we dancers learn thanks to our training is being comfortable being uncomfortable. This is the biggest lesson that dance taught me. And there's so many practical examples of this. But on a daily basis, when you go to dance class, you will do uncomfortable things and you will feel uncomfortable because you're trying new stuff out. Your body's not used to it. Your mind is not used to it. You might not even feel ready for some of the things you do in class. Yet we learn how to deal with that. Again, with patience and resilience. And we know that it's going to take a while for the uncomfortable to then feel normal and comfortable. On a personal level, when I started popping, the first two, three years, I felt incredibly stupid because you feel like you have convulsions and you're not really dancing. But I knew that that feeling was just temporary. And it was the feeling that I had to have while being a beginner in a new style. And if you think in general, there's so many crazy things that dancers do that are quite uncomfortable for the majority of people, but for us, they become normal. Think about point shoes for ballerinas, for example. They are like a torture for most people. Yet ballerinas do it and they do it with a smile. They look effortless and they just do it and they love doing it. And just think about all the shows that you've ever watched in your life, whether that's TV shows or theatres or musicals or performances of any kind. Most of the times dancers are there and they do the craziest things to serve the idea, to serve the concept, to serve the routine, to serve the group and to serve the message of whatever is happening. So wouldn't it be great to have all of these skills? Well, if you want to train them, you need to start dancing. And now hopefully the question, oh, why dance for Parkinson's, has a good answer for you. Again, I believe that all of these skills are incredibly valuable for anyone, but especially for people with Parkinson's, because they might feel that they need these skills even more than people without Parkinson's. Because, for example, they need to be patient. They need to be resilient. They need to learn how to deal with injury. They need to learn how to fall in a very practical way because falling is the number one cause of injury when it comes to Parkinson's. Our aim is to make sure that these skills are improved through learning how to pop. So now next time you see any performances that include dancers, not only you're going to be amazed, but you will look at it differently and you would have hopefully a different vision of what dancers do and the skills they have and how valuable dance is in our life. My old teacher used to say dance training is life training, which I believe is very, very true. So today for you, I don't have a question necessarily, but I have a suggestion, which is if you want to become a better human being, go and start dancing. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Also, let us know via DM on Instagram and Facebook at Poppy for Parkinson's if you have any questions or thoughts or topics for the next episodes. But for now, enjoy the music and I'll see you next time. Peace.